Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Crack Drill Podcast, episode 24. This has to be the longest break I've ever fucking taken and uh, it was unexpected. I was, I was planning to do a lot fucking of stuff throughout uh, February and, well, this month mostly. I actually wonder, is this my longest? It feels like the longest. Probably because it was the start of January I did the, the last episode and now I've moved on to this. But I had uh, had a few ideas to do but I've just been very busy and... Um, well, when I say busy, I mean I'm just too fucking tired to do it. Usually, like setting it all up and actually recording it and talking non-stop for up to three hours uh, can be fucking exhausting. Although this this won't be three hours, I hope. Uh, it nearly was because I've I've ordered a fucking criminal amount of films since uh, <laughs> since the last. Actually, I don't even think I talked about them because I remember I intended on just doing a full episode on movies I bought, and even since the start of this year. Because I took a bit of a break in January, but since I started this year, I have bought a joke amount of films, particularly with the fucking indicator sale that was on there last week. Um, and I even got stuff from Vinegar Syndrome, and I've just been basically mercilessly bumming my wallet to fucking shreds. So it's it's in a a grotesque heap in the corner of the room with blood pouring out of its pockets. So it's not in a it's not in good shape. But at least my movie watching experiences are in top shape. And a lot of the stuff I got too. I mean, it's definitely an even mix. I mean, I've been catching up. Well, I suppose catching up. See, I want to talk about a lot of the new releases uh, in this episode. My original intention was to record this as a two-part episode and just do a fucking huge breakdown of all the shit I've watched. And um, oh no, what was I going to do? Oh yeah, I was going to do, just do the new releases and stuff like that, and then do a full episode just talking about all the stuff I bought. Um, which out of context sounds like the most braggy shit ever, but it's more just uh, out of interest to people who might want to fucking hear. Um, and then go through a lot of the stuff I watch, but it's fucking. I have to actually. I'm looking back through Letterbox there, which is my kind of go to, and just seeing all the fucking shit that I've watched, new stuff since, um, since the last episode. I'm trying to remember did I watch any new releases before I actually released that fucking episode? Well, I did. I. I I watched Night Stalker, which I don't remember if I talked about. Pieces of a Woman. Yeah, I kind of only talked about one or two. Actually, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said I'd, I'd talk about Pieces of a Woman. I also have gone off topic. I was talking about something else there a second ago, and I've already forgotten it. Um, no, yes. Uh, what happened was, I maybe I mentioned it the last time, but In Search of Darkness, which, yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in one of my very first episodes. Um, four and a half hour retrospective of 80s horror which is just a fucking cum dream for me so I was like alright this is going to be deadly and I watched it and I did quite enjoy it but I was saying to myself I mean even when I was three hours into the fucking thing I was thinking they have not even fucking tipped the surface of what you can fucking find with 80s horror I thought they're not going to fucking fail this in 90 minutes left and they didn't so I was a bit let down by the first one but they have since put out a second one and they're on the way to bringing out a third one and the second one is also four and a half hours Goes into a lot more of the cult stuff. Talks about the Italian stuff as well. Some new interviews and things like that. And I'm thinking... I would watch... I, I actually mentioned in my written review for the first one that... It should be a 10 part series at about 90 minutes each. But I'm thinking now... I'd watch a 10 part series that's four and a half hours each. Because there's so much to fucking cover. And... Watching that documentary has just given me the bug again to just... Not only catch up on... 80s horror films that I've never seen classics that I've always been interested in but just getting all the ones that I like anyways a lot of 80s horrors that I've watched over the years 
in some way shape or form and i don't have a decent special edition blu-ray let's say so i'm just planning on just catching up on loads and i i bought a fuckload of 80s horror lately um but on top of that i mean it's a mix of 80s horror i started getting uh, i mean in the indicator sale in particular i started getting some of the hammer box sets. so after listening to that there was a podcast with, with quentin tarantino and edgar wright it was done for empire and it's three hours of them just talking about british cinema and i was like fucking hell there's so much shit here that sounds deadly i want to watch a lot of some of it i can't say a lot a lot would be just a flat out lie there's a a handful that i had heard of before and a fucking mountain that i never heard of and scorsese actually was talking to edgar wright about it and they were kind of trading a list back and forth of all the the ones they'd recommend each other that they may not have seen and every one of them sounds fucking interesting so i was like jesus i'm gonna have to pick up some of them so i got a lot of hammer coming um a lot of 70s crime american stuff uh obviously the horror stuff coming in all the the vinegar syndrome now i've i've really started to take to the trash a lot more again now um because obviously when i was younger i had a much lower tolerance for for a lot of trashy shit so although kind of the video shop days um i'd spend a lot of that time just looking at the back of videos that are just i was never going to be allowed rent but they just look like crap action movies shitty thrillers usually steamy erotic thrillers um but it'd either be them or it'd be like kind of really dumbass fucking action movies or often horror as well and while i did have a, a soft spot for them at, at that age just because it was more the allure of their 18s i'm not allowed to see them in my teenage years and a, a lot of my 20s i was kind of anything really fucking stupid i just didn't really have the stomach for but in the last five or so years say i've come around to a lot more kind of dumb trashier shit and even in the just last like six months it's just really hit the spot for me maybe it's because everything's so fucking miserable now with fucking covid which by the way is still going on the entire life cycle of this podcast has been through fucking covid as well cunt but i've just any kind of trashy silly movie i put on i just had a fucking blast with and in a lot of ways it makes me want to revisit some stuff there was one i watched a few years ago now again i, I i've talked about before how i want to avoid letting well hype has never bothered me but an idea of a film i have in my head if i see some film that looks cool I, it's like i've almost created a movie in my head i want how good i want it to be and then when i'm watching it i'm kind of being automatically let down that was an issue i had with a lot of films before and why revisiting some films is always a good idea but there was a movie actually when i went on a, i think i talked about the nc17 rating before on this as well i have to say that about everything i talk about because i'm sure at some stage i've gotten some fucking stupid mention to it but with the nc17 particularly in the early 90s once the la riots happened they were just very anti-guns in a film and uh any kind of like police violence or anything like that was always just frowned upon and a lot of movies that didn't actually deserve to have that rating were given that rating because it, it, I mean, it just made them sound like they were fucking gore fest especially when the nc-17 was stuff for like evil dead or stuff that had like hardcore sex in it or like really like really brutal violence or language like clerks has an nc-17 and that's because he says cunt like fucking 30 times and like lists all these fake porn titles it's like really like it's fucking take it a shit year and super bad and suddenly clerks is worth 1917 but the point is there was a film that me and the lads watched a few years ago called stone cold 
And it's an interesting one as well because the poster for it is a complete ripoff of Terminator for some fucking reason. I think in some territories uh, it's called Terminator, even though there are no robots in this film at all. Uh, except maybe Brian Bosworth's acting. But Brian Bosworth was some fucking big linebacker unit fucking American footballer guy. And as anyone who was a beefcake back in the 80s and 90s, they were just like, put them in fucking action movies and see how they do. They threw him in a few. His career did not last long. But one of the ones he did where he's an undercover cop biker guy. He kind of looks like he's like typical fucking outside the box sort of cop anyway. He looks like a daft fucker and he's got a big huge iguana and he just looks like a sap. But he's like the best cop there is. He goes undercover in a biker gang and it's led by Lance Henriksen who I'll watch fucking read the phone book. I threw this on after hearing it had an NC-17. So I thought it was going to be like... Uh, that one was it Ludine Phillips in it it's one called uh, Extreme Prejudice and the opening scene of that is just some guy getting fucking turned into Swiss cheese up against a wall with machine gun bullets I thought okay anything with an NC-17 in the early 90s has to be an ultra bloody fucking beast of a film so me and the lads had this mindset we threw on Stone Cold we didn't realise it was kind of had that same sort of goofy atmosphere that like Cobra has or cheesy 80s action movies had combine that with the fact that it's nowhere near as brutal or violent as we were expecting so we fucking hated it and it's a film that in the last couple of years and as i said in the last few months i saw clips from it and i thought that actually looks like a lot of fun i just did not have the right mindset at all watching it had that been on at something like grindhouse and someone said oh it's great fun go see it i probably would have had a fucking blast of a night but the circumstance in which I watched it, it just, it, it pissed me off. And it's why I kind of want to revisit a lot of trash. Now, some trash just transcends. Like, Miami Connection, which is just out of this world fucking bad, but also a lot of fun. Samurai Cop doesn't really do as well on repeat viewings, but one that I absolutely loved, that uh, the ending of it became a viral clip fucking over 10 years ago, back when Ebam's World and Contraband and all these... These were the video sites before YouTube fucking killed a lot of them. Um, but there, it's a movie called Undefeatable. And it's the final fight scene from that. And Cynthia Rothrock's in it as well. Her American career is a bit weird. Uh, but she fucking... Like, she was amazing in like Hong Kong. And then she comes to America. And they're kind of just writing cruddy movies around her. And she's not really getting to show herself off properly as a fighter. She gets a bit of time in this one. But th- this film anyway, it's it's daft it's really fucking stupid it's corny and it's dumb and it's one of the most fun fucking trash movies out there it's it's one of my favorite of the trash movies but movies like that i was just thinking to myself like i'd I'd kill to have a nice collection of those and vinegar syndrome thankfully uh have a good backlog of films like that in terms of action and horror and vinegar syndrome are mad for porn and uh, there's actually a film i want to talk about as well that i got from there which is a porn film so it's probably the least fucking erotic porn film i've ever seen in my life too it's fucking atrocious but the the fact is vinegar syndrome are great for bringing back that was the crunchiest chair movement ever by the way so apologies for that um their whole thing is like they unlike a lot of other distributors they restore stuff themselves and they're all about film preservation so they're gonna look their best and they brought out uh, a, a duology which i bought um known as the martial law films it's martial law one and two and cynthia rothrock's in both of them and uh, the first one has probably the biggest dick name you've ever heard in your life chad or in your life i should say chad mcqueen 
you've never heard a name so fucking ankle spankery than that but he was replaced by I think I can't remember who the fucking other guy is it sounds like Jeff Bezos but I can't remember his fucking name but in the second movie he's replaced but they're the kind of movies that I saw the boxes of back in the day and thought they looked like a lot of fun but never got to see them and then moody idiot teenage years kind of uh, pushed me away from that kind of stuff but getting to revisit them again now so I watched it the other night the two of them uh, or over two nights I should say and fucking hell they are just a blast they're they're corny and stupid and fun and I just know that if I fucking had the lads around with cans or if I was in the cinema watching it with cans it would just go down a fucking storm so along with the hammer and the fucking 80s horror and all this stuff I've been building up a nice collection of trash I had a copy of Raw Force arrive today which Vinegar Syndrome also do but I got the fucking 101 films version I kind of regret it because it's a bit bland uh, in terms of the artwork on the inside and all, I thought it was going to have a slick cover and fucking booklet and all this shit but it's just it's pretty fucking bland and they, they are kind of a bland label sometimes they can do well but they're a bit fucking they're not as exciting as say Vinegar Syndrome because Vinegar Syndrome I'm talking they put in real work the artwork's deadly the quality of the boxes and, and the slip covers and all is like uh, the one for what's it called martial law in particular it feels like a book nearly the slipcase you're putting it into uh, rather than just thin ropey cardboard that Vestron and things like that do um, but yeah I've gone off on about 55 different topics as soon as I fucking started this but I do I'll quickly talk about that porn film first and get that out of the way and then I'm actually I'm going to go through my letterbox here and just rifle off some of the fucking new stuff I've seen because like I said this is going to be a two part well I'm not even going to record it in two parts now I'm going to do the other episode probably tomorrow or the next day but I just want to to get an episode out there talking about some of the new stuff and then just do a separate one where I talk about all the other bollocks that's going on because so much is fucking going on in the film world like I am going to talk about the Schneider cut Schneider Schneider or Schneider fucking hell what's happened to my face Schneider Zack Schneider or Zack Schneider fuck it his version of Justice League anyway I'm going to talk about but things like that and just how the industry is a piece of shit I'd like to talk about a lot of the TV series. I've caught up on a good bit of TV. So the likes of WandaVision. I watched Your Honor. Uh, I watched Servant. Which fuck me. Talk about a spiral into the ground. Of how shit that show went. Um, but yeah. I'm going to talk about a lot of the new stuff now. And then I'm going to do another episode this week. Where I'm going to talk about other shit. Other kind of highlight movies that I watched. Throughout the uh, the last couple of months. And all the stuff I bought because there's just so much, and I am I've I've decided now officially I am going to do a YouTube page. Um, my method and how I do it I'm not 100 percent with because I don't I don't enjoy being on camera at all really. I'm very hyper aware of what way I'm fucking talking and looking and all kinds of shit, and I'm like, oh, this pisses me off. Um, so I'm half thinking of uh, I, w- I want to do a sort of collection video I'm, I was then debating would I do it by label would I do a full fucking five hour here's all my movies kind of thing I haven't really decided yet but I, I might actually just have it with a table in front of me camera set up and talk about a pile of films each time as they come in or something like that I haven't fully decided yet but it is going to happen because even though I post a lot about the movies on, on Instagram I'm not even onto my fucking crack trail on which I should uh, I might do a few just kind of like batch updates when I take a whole photo batch of all the vinegar syndrome stuff and whatever else um, but I don't really get to talk about the movies too deeply because it's, it's going to just be a big essay written on that so I'd be interested to actually go through them all and separate them by what I've seen and whatever else but it is coming down the line when I don't know 
I've talked about guests as well. I've, I mean, I've mean to have Joe from the Lazy Dads on, Chris Weston, a, a writer from the UK, I was going to have on. When I get around to these, and obviously I've, I've been talking as well, fucking about appearing on other podcasts for fucking ages, I still haven't gotten around to it either. But I, I do want to do all this shit, uh, particularly this year, because I fucking failed completely at it last year. But another thing is. Uh, the reason I didn't do a podcast uh, for a while last one as well is that this actually ran out. My fucking uh, what's the word? I can't think of the name of it. Podbean. It actually ran out for about three weeks. And I didn't realize because I, I had it automatically set to update through Revolut, and it, Revolut wasn't topped up at the time. And I didn't get the notification that it didn't top up. So even if I had recorded something, it would have been all over the place trying to get it set up again. But it is back, and uh, another year of shit to fucking force down your ears. But. Uh, yeah, I'll quickly talk about this one, corruption, because it, it came on my radar, pun half intended there, uh, some stage, about three or four years ago, someone was talking about it, I remember seeing the poster, and your man on it, he's a porn star, he was a real actor, I think it's John, John Gillis or something like that, um, he was actually a, a genuine actor who couldn't get work, and they just said, here look, he can fuck, put him in a porn film, and then that was his career, uh, which is, I'd say it'd be quite disappointing if you're an actor and it's like, this is all I'm fucking good for. Um, but there's a guy, oh no, I've never seen the poster for it and he looks exactly like Elliot Gould. And someone said, oh, it's a porn film. I said, there's not a fucking way in hell there's a porn film with Elliot Gould in it. And I was going through Elliot Gould's IMDb and I was like, there's no film called Corruption here. What the fuck? And I said, no, that's not him. And eventually I found it and the more I read into it, the more interesting it sounded. Because there's a director called Roger Watkins and he's a, uh, He's actually only done porn films outside of his first movie, which is Last House on Dead End Street. And I've always known that as a as one of the kind of later entry video nasty types. And I think, I think Vipco had a DVD of it or a video. I remember, I remember just hearing about it for years. One of those controversial horror films. Um, for whatever reason, he couldn't get proper work after it. So he started making porn films. And while he wanted to do a corruption, he, he decided to kind of go down and an art house horror psychological crime movie that's also a porn film and it's also none of that shit somehow and i i just heard people were saying oh it's fucking great it's sleazy and fucking intense and all this stuff and i thought all right if he can actually somehow blend porn and horror into something that doesn't come off as shite like uh what's that cunt's name does this fucking director who his movies are basically just big titty fucking goth girls sitting down in like leather with fake blood on them doing nothing and he calls himself this like pseudo porno horror director and he thinks he's a shit he's got some fucking it's a name even more lame than lucifer valentine and i can't remember what the fuck it is now um he's a cunt either way but it was what well, it didn't look like it was gonna be like that like even when i tested the disc out also a bonus the, the disc i got actually has the only blu-ray copy of the last house on dead end street on it because Vinegar Syndrome were restoring the film themselves. They restored it to 2K. And they didn't clean it up at all. So it's a grimy looking grindhouse movie. It looks cool. Um, and they had plans to do a proper release of it. But they never did. So if you actually want to get that horror film. You have to buy this porn. But. When I put it in. I was testing out. Like the music in it is like a rip off of the thing. Really kind of tense horror music. I thought alright. This already looks deadly. It's beautifully shot as well. And it was this. Uh is it afka i think it is a type of film stock it was the first ever american film to use that and it looks amazing so i thought wow this is really going to be something a fucking unique experience because rather than a 
a narrative film that has real sex in it which there's tons of most fucking foreign art house movies tend to have that this is an adult film with a plot in it so it's i think it's gonna be really interesting to see how it works so it didn't live up to any of that (laughs) it has to be the least sexy fucking porn film ever ever made uh see the way it comes together like the way it starts off was kind of weird as well like it kind of it felt like they were going for this like very serious crime drama sort of thing where it's in sleazy sex clubs so it makes sense for the porn to be there so like the first part in particular you got this guy arrives and it's like there's these three rooms and each one is a different sex thing that he goes through and i thought okay this is them manipulating them and this is how it's going to move into this and that and it technically does do that but after that it just cuts to another pointless sex scene it's the most slow horrible fucking unenjoyable shit they all look like they don't want to be there and i was like what the fuck is going on in this is this going to become the crime slash horror slash psychedelic fucking thriller it promised and for fucking ages it doesn't it just goes from one shitty sex scene to the next then there's this really amazing footage of new york like slow-mo footage with grand central station and i was like okay now it's starting to get interesting really interesting footage and it just cuts back to more crap porn and i thought fucking hell this is actually becoming so tedious and then it gets to a point where this is where i thought okay now it's really kicking in because you get brought to this really shady fucking place and when you look through these peepholes there's a different sex act going on and he looks into one of them and there's this guy in like a gimp mask <laughs> getting whipped and all this shit but the mask comes off and it's him and he's like how am i in there and i'm thinking okay now this is where the psychological horror elements come in it's going to be really interesting that just doesn't come up ever again and then there's a couple of more shitty sex scenes some guy with a gun and the credits were going up and i thought what the fuck was the point of any of this shit i was so let down by it i thought it was going to be something really fucking unique and different i can give it its plaudits for doing something new i know he hated making porn films so i suppose he wanted to make the least sexy porn film on earth and that's a success but jesus christ it was a tedious watch it's only 79 minutes i thought this is never gonna fucking end like porn is the most boring shit ever when you're just watching it <laughs> I, I i can tell you that much but i am happy I, i've finally fucking seen the movie now after all these years of hearing about it and i am happy to have a proper version of last house on dead end street so you can see how that turns out uh and luckily there's great resellability with vinegar syndrome stuff so if last house on dead end street is completely shit i i know i can sell this immediately for full price again so it, it's a it's not a dangerous investment but okay i'm gonna go into the newer stuff i've seen now i'm gonna do a very brief rundown of all them uh best i can so i'm trying to think where i fucking left off so i talked about because i uploaded that last episode on the 13th I, I don't know why i talked about the night stalker that series and i didn't talk about pieces of a woman now i haven't seen that since <laughs> fucking january now but i know that if i can remember her name now i know shia labeouf any any of his involvement was removed from it because his allegations of him beating up his last girlfriend so that's his career in the fucking toilet now and uh and if it's true then fuck him but uh yeah i don't like this i don't like the guilty to prove an innocent kind of stuff that's going on with a lot of people now but as i said if these things do turn out to be true then fuck him to death he doesn't deserve a career uh but you're one vanessa kirby 
she seems to be up for an Oscar, and I know she was up for a Globe. It's my the way the Oscars and all this shit is working this year is totally different because it's gone going to be all online. So I'll actually do an episode leading up to that. I'll do an episode talking about that. Whether I bother my hall watching it, I don't fucking know, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, the the film is essentially just a horrendous pregnancy grief film uh, with an amazing opening scene, which I think it does have some hidden edits that I noticed. But it's about 30 or so minutes long take of this home birth, and it's riveting to watch. Uh, and one of my favourite Sigur Ross songs, or Sierra Rolls, however you want to pronounce it, Sigur Ross songs, I'm going to fucking pronounce it, comes on during it, and I thought, I love this song a lot, and I'm glad I'm hearing it in a film. Why am I hearing it in this scene? I wasn't really sure. But really kind of fucking heartbreaking stuff going on, and then it's about the sort of court case throughout as to whether the, the midwife was in the wrong, and was something done wrong, and it's just one of those really heavily emotional dramas. Like, I, I, mean, I fucking love those kind of dramas anyway. They're real kind of... They put a weird taste in your mouth when you watch them. They're just really hard going, but they're really interesting. And Shia LaBeouf is fucking brilliant in it. Uh, Ellen Burstyn's in it as well, and she's a fucking... She's quite annoying, but, like, that's her character. Uh, what was quite interesting, and I was very happy to see, was that Benny Safdie had a small role in it. And I'm in support of fucking anything the Safdie brothers are involved in, whether it be acting or creating a film. So, it was cool to see him, but it's it's a Netflix film, it's quite long as well, it's about two hours, ten minutes or so. Uh, I can recommend it, I'd say it's the kind of film that if you've been involved with a miscarriage or a, a death during pregnancy, it's gonna be a fucking very, very difficult watch, but it, it is a, a worthwhile watch if you're into that kind of drama. Um, there was the Night Stalker which I don't know if I talked about uh, four part miniseries which I'm going to just include as a movie because I can do whatever I like uh, it's about Richard Ramirez and he said Richard Kuklinski who's another fucking story who deserves his own Netflix story really um, but Richard Ramirez who was this rapist paedophile serial killing murdering fucking lunatic bastard who went around in the 80s breaking into people's houses in LA raping and killing people and leaving some people alive and doing all kinds of fucking demented shit and of course uh, gained the sort of popularity and fame from being a serial killer as people do and yeah they don't deserve any of this they just deserve to be fucking killed themselves but what was interesting about this was and this is probably why it was it was one of it was a very interesting documentary because it didn't glamorize any of the shit he did whatsoever it's almost entirely from the point of view of the cops trying to take him down so it's about how they were figuring out what he did and retracing his steps and so on but what was really interesting was because they had so many photos of the actual crime scenes bodies and shit included they're able to take all those images and make essentially make a 3d render of that so you could actually see a full scale of the whole room where, say, someone was shot. And you know exactly where they entered, how they came in. And it's really interesting how they fucking did it. And quite ballsy as well because, uh, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't walk that line too far in the direction of just showing people's murders or, or like, loved ones' dead bodies when they shouldn't be. Like, they, they managed to show the horror of what happened while being tasteful. So I was quite impressed with that. But that was a solid documentary. It's well worth watching if you, again, can hack that sort of thing. Uh, Synchronic was a really fucking interesting watch. Uh, 
uh, that isn't quite great, but is a very solid uh, sci-fi drama. Uh, those two lads who did The Endless and Resolution did it. Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. And you have Irish fucker. What's his toxic name? Jack Rain. Is it Jack Rainer? Christ, my fucking brain is stew. Uh, yeah. No, Jamie Dornan. That's who it is. Oh, fucking Jack Rayner was in the other one I was watching there. Yeah, so Jamie Dornan and uh, Anthony Mackie are two mates who I believe are adult mates. I do not believe are long-term mates, which the movie likes to fucking tell you. Uh, but they're both... Uh, what's the word for them? Why can't I think of what the word for someone who fucking works in an ambulance is? Ambulance? Men? <laughs> what the fuck are they called? Adder, the fuckers are working on ambulance anyway. They look after people. Um, but they... Jamie Dornan's daughter ends up disappearing. And the two of them don't know what to do about it. And it could be linked to a new drug that's come out that creates really heavy hallucinatory visions is that a word or hallucinogenic visions hallucinations maybe that's the fucking word jesus christ um but yeah it's 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 one of those films that's really fucking interesting and it plays with time elements and stuff like that i have a serious soft spot for anthony mackie i think he's fucking brilliant and he's kind of naturally very funny so he can bring a lot of lightness to this film even if he's not trying and not in a bad way um paramedics that's the fucking word jesus my brain did a shit um it's really just an idea i don't think it's as expansive as the likes of the endless or resolution more so the endless the endless is fucking brilliant this one does have some sort of hollywood conventionalism stuff and some sort of corny stuff i'm not 100 percent sure i like the ending but there's some really brilliant ideas in it, especially the time travel aspects of how certain parts of your room can bring you to different time zones in that exact part and things like that it's really fucking clever stuff um so it is worth a look it's not a masterpiece but it's very very solid um and what the fuck else we got now i have to I'm doing the difficult thing now i'm trying to remember what came out this year because uh i'm doing this in order by the way but i mean a lot of stuff i've watched this year has actually been older i've been really catching up on all this stuff particularly fucking movies i bought uh oh here, here's a, a, an interesting new one which i'm gonna briefly talk about some older ones with it uh but psycho gorman is one that a lot of people are gonna be like what the fuck is this shit but it's a, a horror comedy family film in a sense adventure film all kinds of shit about these two little kids who play sort of fighting games and fantasy games on their road and they come across this huge evil alien demon who wants to destroy worlds but they come in possession of an item that means that they're in control of him so he's ultra evil wants to destroy and eliminate everything and hate everything but he has to do what they say so if they're like you have to uh, i don't know dress up as a dog he's just angry like Ugh, and he has to pull on a fucking dog out of it no that doesn't happen in the film but that's the type of thing it is they're, they're in full control of him and it's essentially what it'd be like if two kids were in control of a massive demonic entity uh what's great about it is it's at times hilarious the guy who is psycho gorman is fucking gas nearly every line out of his mouth had me pissing myself laughing the problem is the kids particularly the girl in it who if you've seen once upon a time in hollywood the girl in that 
would have been perfect in this because she's already got loads of charm and she's really funny and would probably be able to pull this off well whereas the girl in this even though i like that she's an asshole like she's just she's really mean-spirited in it i don't think she's a very good actress so it fucking it hurt a lot of the the jokes in it and it didn't quite work and it is it's gory it's silly it's fun i love the fucking uh, practical effects in it because they do a lot of stuff based on stuff like the 90s power rangers stuff where there's big rubbery costumes but they're really creative and interesting and it's just uh, the the guys who made it it's actually i'm trying it's one of the guys of uh astron six the guy is steve kotansky he did the void which i actually quite like as well uh, i think a lot of people were expecting something different with it i went into it just expecting a horror and i quite enjoyed what i got and i was sick as balls watching it so the fever dreams are great but these lads were part of a or they, he was part of a crew called astron six and they did these crazy canadian exploitation movies one of them was manborg which was made for nothing it was basically 200 dollars or something like that in terms of the exchange rate like it's made for nothing and it's really creative and a lot of fun and they also did father's day which again my mood for trashy over the top stuff wasn't the same i was only talking with some lads recently about hobo with a shotgun which i've always loved and that and it was a bit of a comparison between the two because they were around the same time when they came out but father's day did nothing for me i just didn't like it at all didn't get on board with how silly it was but re-watching it recently was pissing myself watching it there's a lot of fucking funny stuff in it and it's a lot of fun so but it's really extreme i think a lot of people won't, won't get on board with just how grotesque the amount of fucking male rape and brutal murder that goes on in it for a movie that's that funny as well it's uh it's a fucking mad one but psycho gorman is a lot more accessible and it's actually a lot of fun it's no masterpiece um i much prefer father's day and manborg and the editor i want to rewatch as well that one also was really silly but it kind of takes the piss out of jello movies so that might be another good one to revisit uh but yeah the the astron six lads are a lot of fucking fun to watch and this is one of the guys they've broken up unfortunately and he's just one of them who's gone on to do his own thing now so psycho gorman is a lot of fun creative you love the sort of art and animation style of the the costumes and what's going on just the performances uh weigh it down which is unfortunate uh promising young woman which is seemingly up for a lot of fucking oscars which as much as i enjoyed the film it's not oscar fucking worthy i can say that much but it has to be one of the most gut-punching fucking irritating and highly entertaining well, it's a drama it's also quite funny and it's also nerve-wrackingly uh tense when it needs to be but it's essentially oh, her name now why is my fucking brain gone to shit see i haven't done this in so long i haven't yapping about films out loud that i, I can't remember names off the top of my head carrie mulligan though um she is someone who goes around and pretends to be absolutely shit-faced in nightclubs to lure out lads who will try to take advantage of someone in her position and basically make them pay for it now that makes it sound like it's going to be like action-packed rape revenge thriller it's not that it goes about it in a very unusual different and clever way and the less i say about it the better because the more you get into it the more you're with these characters it kind of becomes a bit funnier it also becomes much darker 
and it's really fucking clever and there's a good cast in it too um it's great to see clancy brown who plays her diana and fucking hell he's, he's so i'm so used to seeing him playing fucking sergeants or demons or villains or something that it was cool to just see him play just a friendly nice father and uh you also got the likes of alison brie uh and bo burnham who gives a fucking brilliant performance as well so i'm really glad his career is fucking taken off too because obviously he started out on youtube doing goofy songs then became goofy comedian then became very profound comedian then high-end director after he made um eighth grade and now a fucking top actor so he's really doing something fucking good um but yeah the, the less i say about that the better i think i as i said it's excellent it's well worth a watch it's one of the best of this year um but i feel like with the amount of limited movies that are coming out now i feel like movies that are quite good and decent are going to be pushed to the forefront for the oscars but then again a movie like that i'm fucking glad it's getting some oscar attention because normally a fucking no one would look at a film like this and put it near the oscars so maybe there it is a bit of a blessing that movies that would normally be sidelined are getting picked up for oscar nominations it's also important to remember that the oscars can suck my fucking dick and is a pile of shite uh next film is the little things which is far from a masterpiece and the more i think about it i like it less but i still enjoyed it a bit and it's a a 90s set gritty crime thriller which tries to be a bit like seven but doesn't quite get there and it's really fucking ropey in terms of uh where the story goes the last act of it is actually a shambles but i love the tension of everything leading up to it and uh this was the first of the warner brothers films to be released through hbo max which i talked about before which was a big fucking thing for the movie industry um so it started off with this now uh the director has a great name john lee hancock so that's he's just every signature ever uh but you have the likes of denzel washington and rami malek in it and you have jared leto as a potential serial killer who goes for a very madsen-esque over-the-top performance which it is quite scenery chewing and mark kermode put it quite well saying that he's like he overdosed on acting pills which i agree with in a lot of circumstances uh but i quite enjoyed him in it the problem is it's just first of all he's in it you know he's in it he's on all the posters his name is out there that would have been a great moment for when he comes on the screen like oh shit there's jared leto i wasn't expecting him to be in it but they every bit of fucking uh publicity for this film has forced the fact that he's in it like two years so it's a bit disappointing uh that it gets rid of that but the, the actual look of the film is great it's got a really ugly visceral looking fucking shithole tone like the the crime scenes in it aren't pretty uh there's nothing stylish about them they're ugly as fuck and as i said there is good tension to it i i think remy malik i don't rate him that much anyway and i don't think he puts in a wonderful performance here so he does kind of weigh it down as well but it, it's a hard one to recommend because it's 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 a good way to spend well it's about two hours ten minutes it's, it's a good way to spend that time but it's not high priority there's better films out there promising young woman for example if that's available go watch that instead because it is better um saint maud was that last year fuck that might have been last year if that's the case then i've fucked up the order of my <laughs> fucking films on uh what's it called 
Facebook, which by the way, I started I started uploading my fucking reviews there. I've been doing them all on Letterboxd, and I just get so fucking sidetracked and not upload them to Facebook. So there's a plethora of them going up, uh, and that have gone up. But I'm gonna just check now because Saint Maud might have been last year, and if it was, then I have made a terrible mistake, and the order of my thing is fucked up. And that's something that may only bother me. It was last year, so I'm gonna have to fucking undo that now. Um, but yeah, Saint Maud is great. But I'm not going to talk about it now. Uh, what are some fucking other new ones here? Oh yeah, fucking hell. This was a disappointing fucking film. Which should have been brilliant. Uh, well no, I'll quickly... I, I mean, I talked about In Search of Darkness Part 2. Which I don't really need to talk about again. There is a third one on the way. If you're an 80s horror fan... Actually no, I will say this. I meant to say this earlier on and I never did. With In Search of Darkness Part 1... I was let down by the fact it left out so much. But now that there is a part two, it, it strengthens the first one. Because I know the stuff that was left out will come in part two. And so on with part two or part three coming out. Part two is a lot more enjoyable. Because the first one is a, is a lot of, about how they got there. And like, oh, here's the birth of 80s horror and this and this and that. Whereas this is like just a four and a half hour celebration of how fucking class was 80s horror. And they just talk about it. So more and more and more of that please fucking everyone donate or do whatever you can to ensure that shitloads of in search of darkness movies are made and there was in search of the last action heroes the action version of it which was quite poor in comparison it's uh it's solid enough they talk about action movies of the 80s it bleeds into the 90s even though they kind of sold that as just the 80s and then it kind of doesn't have any structure. It just goes through some action movies. I think I'd like to see a better structured version of it. And then there's Insert of Tomorrow, which is the sci-fi version, which again I can't wait for. Uh, but yeah, the one here that disappointed me to fuck is Willy's Wonderland. Now, the plot of this movie is Nicolas Cage as a silent wanderer, akin to the man with no name, only he speaks obviously, who has to spend the night in an amusement well I can't say amusement park because it's not a park but amusement fair ground type place uh, no that's not even right what the fuck would you call this place like a Chuck E. Cheese fucking place in America basically a fucking shit restaurant with shitty fucking animatronic puppets but he has to spend the night in there tidying the place up and throughout the night these things come to life and try to kill him and he has to kill them on paper that is fucking brilliant on screen it is so fucking boring and it's one of the ugliest looking fucking movies all year there was no colour correction done whatsoever which is very much needed particularly with digital filmmaking and this movie looks like that grey pile of navy shite smeared across your fucking eyes on top of that you have it It looks cheap it feels cheap the effects are bad there's one good kill in the whole movie really and the idea of I love that Nicolas Cage is in it. Uh, he's clearly having fun. I love that after he kills one of them. He just goes back to cleaning the place up. Like nothing happened. And takes his regular breaks. That he has scheduled for himself too. Which I found quite fun. But they they shoehorn in this terrible backstory. And this group of teens that had to break in. Who you're following around for more than they need to. Realistically this is a fucking. At most half an hour short like at most you'd really want to fucking drag it out really you could actually make it 10 minutes and just have Nicolas Cage in there battering a lot of these fucking monsters and it would be a lot of fun but instead they had to try expand it and really drag out the runtime. 
the fucking animatronic cunts in it are not even animatronic they're just dickheads in suits like big clothy fucking bunny suits and whatever else and I'm like Jesus could you at least fucking try the effects are so fucking poor or are so fucking poor and the whole thing just felt like a waste of opportunity and the choreography as well like he's it, the, the fight scenes are just real lumpy and fucking clunky and awkward and shit it's just it really just doesn't work and it should and this is the thing I've talked about Nicolas Cage's potential numerous fucking times and I am I've decided I'm going to do a Nicolas Cage episode at some stage where I just talk about why he's fucking class and why he can be terrible and just list off a bunch of his fucking best movies and shittest ones and whatever else but I've made it very clear I have a lot of respect for the chap and I'm going to aim to get him on this podcast someday Um, but actually he's on it right now he's just playing his character in Willy's Wonderland where he doesn't say anything so he's he's been a great guest so far in, in letting me speak but the problem is when it comes to Nicolas Cage high concept ideas are thrown at him which sound fun as I said him versus animatronic fucking robots in an abandoned fairground place or whatever that should be a masterpiece immediately but it's not because the idea is there but they don't have a good script they don't know what they're going to do with it they're just like fucking Nicolas Cage as a fucking superhero who goes around cutting off people's heads you've got these three fucking things you're like okay that sounds deadly but then they're like uh, well we don't really have a script or anything so we'll just have shitty scenes of him cutting off heads with no real script attached to it we only have him for a certain amount of days so we'll do a big lot of backstory about this group of teenagers who heard about him who will spend the majority of the film fucking around with until he appears and does that that's essentially what this is it's just they don't know what to do with the idea or him and it feels and looks cheap as balls and I'd say a majority of the money went on them getting free bird by Leonard Skinner for the last fucking scene which awfully tries to recreate what they did with the Devil's Rejects with absolutely no impact whatsoever it's fucking tripe and uh, it's one of those films that I've grown to dislike more and more as the more I think of it like, when I watched it I thought oh, I was kind of shit and the one or two bits I enjoyed tricked me into believing I enjoyed it more but I, I didn't it's a fucking crap film uh, so I don't recommend that uh, I'll briefly talk about uh, Killing is Easy which is the documentary on Patrice O'Neill which all things comedy produced which is Bill Burr and a few others have got together and they created this comedy channel let's say and uh, they essentially brought out this documentary to commemorate was commemorate the word? remember? memorialise? I don't know uh, talk about Patrice O'Neill I think it's just over 10 years after his death or about 10 years um, so I got to kind of talk about his come up through Boston as kind of the only black comedian around at the time and people were like what the fuck like this is very out of place whatever and he was just in Kinlan and he never really reached that level of fame it reminds me of Bill Hicks in that sense I mean he was bigger than him due to where he performed and he kind of got a better chance but it's the same sort of thing where he never reached say Kevin Hart level fame which he could have easily but Patrice O'Neill there was no one like him like he, he fucking had balls of fucking platinum and there's a lot of clips of him on different shows like he was always one for calling out comedians and hack comedians and almost forcing people to be better by calling out how shit they are and I remember there was like about 12 hours someone pieced together of him on uh, Opie and Anthony's radio show 
just talking about movies and he fucking knew his shit as well now I disagree with him on a lot of stuff but when he know he knows about good acting and things like that and he's fucking he's got a sharp eye for it he's just fucking really good um as a documentary it's solid it kind of goes through the basics probably leaves out a lot and it paints a nice picture of him even though he could be an arsehole when he wanted to but it, it it shows that the type of person he is and it's exactly the type of thing he'd like in terms of how they're talking about him because they're all giving him shit so as a, if you're a Patrice O'Neill fan you'll absolutely love it you probably won't get anything new out of it but it is enjoyable and if you've never heard of him hopefully it'll introduce you to his stuff and encourage you to fucking see more um, so yeah there's a couple more that I'm going to talk about now so I'm going to try to fucking remember them um, one of them is one that I've had my eye on for a while now and I'm quite a fan of Joe Carnahan I actually enjoyed virtually everything he's been involved in Uh this one was on my radar for a while and it has a lot of things that appeal to me first of all it has Frank Grillo in it who I think is class he's done some shit movies but I like him I think he's always good and gives 110% and he's a solid action hero who doesn't seem to get enough fucking credit it has Naomi Watts who I like it has Will Sasso in a mostly kind of weird tough guy role it's like it's interesting to see him in a bigger movie and of course Mel Gibson and Michelle Yeoh's in it as well it's a fucking it's a big savage cast and it's called boss level and it's essentially kind of like groundhog day with action well not suppose i say it tomorrow but this is basically from the moment he wakes up frank grillo is in a time loop and he's in the middle of being attacked by a group of assassins that are sent to take him down and every day he takes them out and it gets one step closer to figuring out why this is happening how this is happening who fucking killed his wife and all this shit and it, it, there's a lot of interesting shit they do with it and it's one of those ones i don't want to spoil but it's, it's a lot of fun it has a sort of scott pilgrim-esque vibe to it but it's a lot more brutal <laughs> i think again frank grillo does top quality action hero work in this it's a lot of fun and I don't want to say much about it. It's because I mean I'm not exactly ruining anything by saying it's a time loop movie and he's gonna figure different shit out, but the way he figures things out and the way certain events come together, it's actually very cleverly written. Uh particularly in a dramatic sense as well. Like they they really go some interesting places with it and I'm glad it's getting a proper release now, because it was supposed to come out last year and then COVID fucked everything up. Um so it came out through Hulu, but not a lot of people use Hulu, so hopefully it'll go on to fucking bigger and better streaming platforms and hopefully get a physical release because I'll definitely buy it. Because, yeah, Joe Carnahan. And by the way, where the fuck is Narc on Blu ray? That deserves a fucking Blu ray because he's fucking. That's a brilliant movie and he deserves better credit than that. Uh, but yeah, boss level, very fucking solid. I highly recommend that as well. I'm trying to think how many's left now in terms of new movies. I'm trying to fucking fly through them. Uh, there's a lot popping up here that I want to talk about in next week's episode or next few days from now's episode whenever i fucking do this now that i fucking said that you won't hear from me for fucking three months um another reboot which didn't need to fucking happen uh wrong turn so wrong turn the original one came out in 2003 they had six or no five five or six straight to dvd versions that come out after it now i haven't watched them i haven't bought my haul with them but i have seen some clips of them and they have some really amazing fucking practical gore effects. But I can't be fucked sitting through a lot of people I don't like. Uh, the new one decides to set it 
have different enemies, let's say. So instead of having brainless hillbilly cannibals there, pretty much it's like watching uh, The Village or something like that. It has that same sort of atmosphere as The Ritual, but it's set in America, which I think this should have been set in somewhere like Scandinavia because it would make a lot more fucking sense and be less stupid. Uh, But you have five, six very, very annoying millennial type twatty fucking app developer woke cunt characters that are just completely unlikable from the second they open their mouths basically just a big gang of no crack twats that no one would be able to bear any real company with who go out together into the woods to hike for a friendly boring no crack hike and from the moment i saw them i said okay i need these to die horribly and that's probably why they made these annoying fuckhead characters. Though these characters tend to be supposed to be likable in movies, but they're not. Um, you had these characters, and I thought, okay, these are all going to die horribly, so I'm immediately interested. But it's not quite like that. It, it goes a very different route. It's almost trying to backpedal on what you know from the typical slasher, backwoods, fucked up horror. Um, and I, I don't think it really fucking pulled it off the way it wanted it to it has some pretty realistic gore very tame very scarce but it looks real and i think that's what really kind of put a lot of people off because it looks so fucking real in parts but really the kills in it are shite the effects are fucking fairly crap it's an ugly looking bland fucking desaturated fucking movie that did nothing for me uh a lot of people went on about the final shot even Mark Kermode as well went on about the final shot saying how it was really effective I think it's a cool final shot but it's in the wrong movie that should have been in a better movie even how they handle a moment of that final shot annoyed me so there's not a lot good I can say about this it's not a terrible film but it just has nothing to it like it's a, it's a nothing film so you're not going to get anything out of it really <laughs> Um. right there was two more I think I have here and both of them are superhero related in, in a sort of way Uh, is the next one the Snyder Cut it could be it fucking well is okay we're finally here the Snyder Cut which I've kind of been leading up to obviously this has been in development for years people have wanted it for years after that fucking sex pest Joss Whedon decided to fuck up the original Justice League with his own vision of dog shit humour and just cringy wannabe comedy and just you know what he's fucking like he's a goon his version of Justice League was fucking dire and everyone was calling for the original Zack Snyder version to get released because when Zack Snyder is left free and allowed to be indulgent he is tremendously entertaining and thankfully all this online campaigning came to a head and actually allowed this to happen so this is a huge fucking step forward for directors who have been bum raped by the fucking studios and didn't get to release their original vision because now here's a fucking opportunity and with the rise of online streaming which again i'm i'm in two minds about i love it but i also kind of it is dangerous for cinemas this is the option now this is where these movies have a chance to fucking live 
and it's no fucking skin off a studio's arse because they don't have to produce a fucking disc or release it in cinemas again or do any marketing they can just throw it online if they want to so really online can be the the haven for directors who want to release their original vision and sure look at fucking Scorsese you had to fight to get it in cinemas because no one well when I say no one cunts don't want to see a three and a half hour fucking Scorsese film which is like free porn but not corruption style porn because that was shite but this is exactly what you want to see like I'm always I understand producers I understand the mindsets and I understand test audiences and all that I rarely agree with it I'm almost always on the side of what the director wants to do and the fact that he got to do this is fucking amazing and it's an entirely different film there's a fraction of the shit that was fucking shot in the original one in this it's a brand new four hour sprawling epic and I really really fucking enjoyed it I think it still has its flaws it has the same issues I had with the likes of Batman vs Superman and Wonder Woman which I only watched for the first time there recently and I didn't think much of it has that annoying rubbery CGI it kind of has over effects particularly in the last 40 minutes which is a big battle and all this stuff like Batman vs Superman only this it 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 fucking it hurts the movie because it's such a a really good slow burn there's some amazing amazing sequences and like I said I love ultra slow-mo ultra stylish just amazing visuals that Zack Snyder is responsible for like Watchmen is littered with it this film has tons of it as well and he does it so fucking well and all of that I lapped up and even the music stuff there's loads of Nick Cave in it and it cuts out like some gnarly guitar music for when Ackerman's walking around and replace it with like somber Nick Cave which adds so much more to the fucking scene I thought um, he just did a lot right with it as a film though like this is the thing people are expecting now that his vision has come out that it's going to be a masterpiece it's not it's infinitely better but it's still flawed it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination uh, I still just really like it I really hope that it becomes canonically the version of the movie or of the Justice League that is widely regarded as the real version because whatever was in the cinema is bollocks and shite and it makes no fucking sense it actually fucks up timeline stuff and uh, yeah I just think, I think this is just a huge win for films in general um, as I said it's not the masterpiece people are expecting it to be it, it lives up to a lot of hype it lives up to the fact that it was going to be better and that it's the original vision but it, it, as I said it isn't fucking Infinity War and that's the thing about it right to me it's like a really solid Avengers film rather than something like fucking Endgame or Civil War or or particularly the Winter Soldier it's not that level but it's like one of the really good ones that's that's the best thing I can say about it and I would recommend it and for four hours it's brisk it fucking flies by um, and it kind of has me geared up for what's coming next so once it's Zack Snyder's original plan is going to be the, the norm for all this count me fucking in so I am going to watch Aquaman now which I haven't seen and I'm now looking forward to whatever comes out now in the Justice or in the DC universe um, just maybe not to the level that some people are uh, and finally when I mentioned superheroes earlier this next film is from the Russo brothers who essentially saved the Marvel films by doing the best of the Avengers doing Civil War doing uh, 
they did obviously Endgame, Infinity War, and they did the best Winter Soldier. So these lads know what they're doing, and this of course has Tom Holland in it. And when I mentioned, not Jamie Dornan, the other fucker. Oh, I'm about to forget his name. Jack Rayner. He appears in this as well. But the idea is, instead of doing a big sprawling action-packed fucking superhero movie again, they've decided to go down and do a really bleak but exciting, like in a good fellasy way addiction drama which follows tom holland as smart college student who ends up joining the iraq war in the early 2000s and comes back and is completely fucking shell-shocked and decides to turn to heroin and him and his girlfriend go down a very very dark dark path and what they have to do to try get money for it so it's about two hours 20 minutes there is a good section of the war in the middle but the majority of the film is essentially following him on his downward spiral and it's actually fucking quite compelling it's very well done my issue with it is it's absolutely unoriginal in terms of the direction they take a lot of it, it it's you've seen a lot of this stuff before it didn't really do anything that out of the ordinary so i can't i can't say i was blown away in that sense but performance wise tom holland's great i love that he's doing a lot of darker shit now he's done that and he's done he did that one pilgrimage a few years ago which is kind of crap but at least it's a dark sort of gritty film and he also did the devil all the time last year which was one of the best of last year so he's really found his niche now of being able to do interesting shit as well as the happy-go-lucky spider-man stuff which i like that he has that balance um it's like he's getting the the robert patterson years in simultaneously with his franchise years which is fucking rare uh but this is it's a fucking it's very solid in terms of how it's made directed really well the soundtrack choices are brilliant the score itself is fucking brilliant and it's just really stylishly made the whole war sequence is made intentionally to look a lot like full metal jacket and they do a good job of it uh, it kind of reminds me of jarhead as well in certain parts but yeah something quite different from the russo brothers and again i originally when i saw that one 21 bridges i thought they directed that they only produced it and it, it showed because it's quite weak in a lot of ways whereas this is much stronger so yeah i'm all on board for whatever tom holland and the russo brothers are going to do next whether they're together or not uh and yeah that was basically all the new shit i've seen there's not a lot of new stuff out this year um most of what i saw has been catching up and i am going to do another episode where i go through all of that from start to finish i'm not going to talk about any other shit beforehand and then i'll probably do another episode to talk about the blu-rays i've got several episodes backed up into me right now that i need to fucking unleash so i'll try to get through them as quick as i fucking can uh and instead of saying no promises like i usually do i am going to make the promise i'm going to fucking do it so hold me to that if i don't do it if any of you's not my dress come and kill me for not fucking doing it uh until then though thanks for listening and enduring this for how long did i go just over an hour that's fucking the perfect podcast length uh so thanks for listening to that hope you enjoyed it more coming soon and you're all absolute cunts see you later